You're listening to Solid Sound, and today we are talking tunes with Nick Ronin. Hey, Nick, how you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. So, Asian trip to the moon, absolute classic to start out with. Uh, good tune, man. Nice fiction. Yeah, well, I think you'll find in quite a few of them. It's just um, a lot of the tracks I think I picked have kind of a bit like my own music, like multiple ideas in them, and kind of really sort of take various twists and turns and I got really kind of fed up when a lot of music found a single groove and this one's a bit of an epic um, you know it has all kinds of things going on and then drops a big sample halfway in the middle and then still gives some more at the end and yeah I just thought I had to pick something also I guess at the time I also had a little happy hardcore phase in my teenage years and I had to have something with some sort of female vocals on it a bit of cheese in there though the track itself isn't that cheesy I'd say yeah, the vocal on this one. I mean, obviously, you know you're this. That's a guy, right? But this, I can't believe this feeling. Is that a guy or a girl? Yeah. Could just be a pitched up guy. It could be. The thing is, obviously, like, loads of this stuff is just old soul records, isn't it? Like, slow dance records. Yeah. And they're like, right, so how do we take this slow jam and then put it onto, like, 140 or whatever? And it's like, speed it up shitloads. And, uh, yeah, so you are right. Hey, who knows? But um, yeah. it just has that kind of, like, you know, it has that little blend of the dark side and a little bit of, like, hands in the air kind of vibe. Now, it catches everything I liked to, when I was listening to this stuff kind of growing up. But, I mean, this sort of track would have been at school, basically, sort of getting tapes off people's big brothers and stuff like that. And it's just got a bit of everything, isn't it? You know, it's got some some rave crowd noise and loads of bleeps, solid sub bass. Again, the kind of whatever, pitched up vocals. And, uh, yeah, as I said, just goes through loads of different twists and turns. I love that sort of thing. I always often think of this one in my head. Do you know Bohemian Rhapsody, what that meant to rock music? <laughs> Aiton is almost like Raves, Raves, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, I, I concur with that. I mean, it's a ridiculous idea, but I concur with that, you know. I have my own ridiculous ideas. Because yeah. it tells a story, you know. It tells a story. Like, this is it. This is it. It has a narrative. It has a story. And, and as I said, like, this kind of stuff was really, I think that, I'm going to end up sort of referring back to how this influenced my music, I guess, because, um, you know, this is where I'm picking up these little bits from all these tracks. And I think what I learned from stuff like this, and there was other stuff on the same label and the production house label as well that were like, you know, you just like had multiple tunes and multiple ideas in one. And, and it, it went through the dark, it went through the light. You know, it was heavy, it was kind of beautiful at times. And, you know, it's just, and good production as well for the, for the era. And it's just like, what more do you want, really? But I just like stuff there. So, yeah, even if it's a rave track you can kind of listen to it sort of away from the rave that's coming I don't know not not essential but I found that quite an important thing for me to make it like a real something I'd go back to you know yeah definitely if you're listening and listening to tapes from people it's a great one for that you know when you're walking around with your Walkman on type of stuff in it yeah no 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 well definitely yeah because as I said you know it's it, it sort of just keeps injecting all these different kind of like vibes into it and um, and again like like this just gets to the halfway mark or like what three and a half minutes in and then just drops this kind of cheeky sample but yes and there's about 99 different mixes of this actually I ended up I ended up trying to cop this a decent version and I ended up getting this like reissue they've done which is like wow shit how many versions did they make you know and I had, I had, I had like I think I had part three on vinyl was a 
12 year old or something or whatever I was. <laughs> so you got into rave pretty early in life? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think I kind of quickly went through a few things. I remember like at, when I was like 10, I got into like metal and I was into like Megadeth and shit like that for a few, for like two years and then just dropped it. I'm quite bad at just like ditching stuff completely, you know, and I just dropped it and then started listening to hip hop and, and kind of at the same sort of time getting into this kind of early rave stuff. Those become my, my two main passions, but it was all about the kind of rave music, like really as to kind of what I was actually, you know, kind of get involved with, I guess. I love all the changes in this. It really does tell a good story. Yeah. Um, of course, in my brain, you know, that's coming from that's Jim Morrison and the Doors, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, loads of that. I was quite like some of that because obviously at the time I had no idea where these things were coming from, really, uh, unless my parents like, happened to listen to it or I'd, like it was a famous track, you know. So it's quite nice finding these like years later. You know, that one was definitely a few years probably before I copped it, you know. So this is the other sort of stuff you were listening to then, Silver Bullet, 20 seconds to comply. Again, that's your teenage years, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, the same early teens. I kind of feel like I wish I'd paid a bit more attention to, to more kind of UK hip hop because I think it's infinitely superior in many ways to like the American stuff. But, you know, I think in a way, there were certain things obviously coming from the states that was just kind of i don't know just grabbing more of a hold whether it be like you know public enemy or whatever but um but that silver bullet just kind of had it for me at the time because it had this is basically a kind of rave track really with just some really fierce rhyming over the top and it's got a nice punky it's got a really punky edge to the way he delivers his rhymes as well so that i think was something i picked up on because i don't know that was kind of like latent this kind of like punk influence and it kind of came for much later in my life and i realized oh i've kind of been into this shit in various ways for ages you know i think when you realize punk is such a broad spectrum if you take it as a kind of attitude really yeah i mean this sort of stuff hip house hip house yeah yeah brickhall like was you know now i'm going back to the brickhall stuff and i only really heard like gunshot hijack and silver bullet were the names that maybe as a kid and then i've come back to it and i'm like fucking hell this stuff's amazing because again it's really like it's got a real hardcore edge to it but um and trip up to be honest there's loads of stuff going on in my in my teenage years and i got loads into like kind of ninja tune and mo wax stuff as well but obviously again it was more more for chilling and smoking really um so there's a bit of a different reason to it but this sort of track just got the energy like that i said that i was looking for elsewhere you know whether it was in metal one point you know for about <laughs> my, my little honeymoon period yeah and then uh, and then like the rave stuff you know and this was a nice crossover so that was good we need to keep the conversation away from two old men talking about the golden years of rave, but I mean... <laughs> oh, you're the one with the podcast, mate, not me, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the 90s were a golden era, and you say, oh, I wish back then I'd paid more attention to certain types of music. But I mean, back then we thought it was going to be forever, like, you know? Yeah. No, no, but I mean, I think, as I said, like, it's... <sighs> It, there was just these different things all converged you know i mean it wasn't such a this sort of stuff was obviously like really new you know even if like weirdly obviously it's just rehashing old breaks and it's rehashing old hip-hop stuff that's been going on for a decade or whatever you know it was it was still really new but also yeah you know people were still 
the thing that I liked about say these two tracks was like there's just lots going on and there's a narrative and it's got real kind of energy and that I think as it all settled down and all the scenes like splitting that kind of got a bit drained away and everyone sort of was like oh we've got to be conventional now and we're going to just like copy each other for a few months and make the same shit and you know get stuck into a kind of single groove for five minute kind of tracks and didn't really get that much of it you know in, in the sort of late 80s early 90s and that's why I still would go back to that not necessarily because you know it's always, always better in the old days oh, well, much better in the old days <laughs> <laughs> no to be honest like something did happen when I started running um, a sound system and at one point people got really into playing those of old school sets and it actually took what was my most sacred music you know that I grew up on that like drove my ambition to even have a sound system our head fuck sound system used to run and uh, it actually turned me off like fucking old school I was sick of it at one point uh, I'm now kind of able to go back to it and bit but yeah like it was weird <laughs> it was weird how it kind of killed my enjoyment if you if you overdo it so you won't catch me like going to any you know like yeah or like fucking rave brunches or whatever got a dmb bingo i keep seeing adverts for and uh, oh no no not for me <laughs> moderation moderation yeah i've seen them they do a thing in dublin i've heard of it it's called bingo loco <laughs> Okay. I don't know what the hell's going on. And it's like they do bingo for a certain amount of time, and then when yeah. the bingo's over, they have a rave. Oh, okay. that's, that's even more weird. <laughs> What's going on? I kind of like the idea. Maybe doing them both at the same time, but just like going to bingo and then hyping yourself up for the rave that way. I mean, that's showing your fucking age right there. Like, <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, not for me. You know, we we're talking as well about the influence of music, you know, this sort of stuff, the breaks and whatever, that's what brought breaks into stuff like Asen and all that. Breakbeat hardcore back in 91, 92. Yeah. That eventually became Jungle, which eventually became drum and bass, right? Yeah, so again, we just went along, I went along for all of that kind of ride really, and you know, and um, the nice thing for me, I guess, was being around that development as well, because you know, then as I say, got a bit stuck in it in a rough, but that was such a kind of like, kind of state of, of things, and it was always kind of changing, and it was mad how this stuff sort of emerged, you know? And yeah, I don't know, there was a thing where you could have new sounds as well. Like, I remember like hearing like a time stretch for the first time. I mean, this is a bit nerdy, but I, as a kid even, and or like the first time I heard like pitched up breaks in like Goldie's Terminator or something, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like totally just twisted me up, twisted me up, man. So, and that sort of stopped after a while, you know, in a way like you could, there was, you'd get the same sounds coming around again, you know? So we're coming to a new tune now. I pronounce this one. This is this is the thing I do with this, right? What I do is if I can pronounce it like Ace and Trucks to the Moon, I'll do it, right? Yeah. But if I can't pronounce it, I push it onto the person I'm talking to. No, no, go for it, yeah. And so this is Sulfurex and the track's Point Break. I literally, to be honest, because I'm not really not much of I'm what I've, I've had my minor minor dabbling with DJ, and when we've like done technicals, and it's like the generator's on for four days, you're like everyone DJs, you've all got a fucking DJ, right? So everyone's like bringing their like mum's records out to the tech, you know, whatever it might be. I had my minor spot of DJ, but 
but I'm not really a DJ. I had to actually ask one of our old headbutt DJs what the fuck was this, and I had to do the classic like. So it goes to this bit, like this bit here. It's it, the filter goes down. And it's just this really like wiggly synth, and it's the filter, and it's like probably nothing else going on. He was like, "Oh, I know the one," <laughs> and it actually worked. So I got the track ID of him, but. I would have no idea, but I used to, yeah, again, when I was when I was a teenager, still going to like Eurobeat 2000, Rampant, and uh, kind of other like sort of techno nights in London, and then like hearing this track, but also, as I said, some of our DJs would play this, and it was just like, I don't know, that synth, that, this is my love of just mental noises. I do a lot of kind of synth lines like this still, because it's just like, just love it, it's just hectic. <laughs> So you had a dabble in sound systems, the whole, you know, like you say, the four day out in the woods type of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, our sound system was quite largely based in, in London, and then um, we'd go do a few outdoor parties. They were never always mega, mega in, in the UK, but then we started to go out to, to the technical sort of scene in Europe. And, and then, yeah, they're like, you know, obviously, yeah, as I said, it's kind of like last band standing kind of thing. Yeah. Which I'm not sort of over, really. Like, I, you know, I like parties to be kind of short and intense, really, nowadays. I, I kind of feel like you, you kind of get a nice, you know, high energy kind of thing. But yeah, so those are just, like I say, you just keep topping up the generator, and everyone's got to get muck in and keep the tunes going, you know? Yeah, you're going for some real classics, though, in all your selection in this show today. I mean, I've got 16 tunes rather than 15 as well, which is fair enough, like, you know? Yeah, the last one's the best one. The last one's just a bonus track, though, you know? Like, oh, yeah, we just say goodbye and then let my face play. So I'm not even going to talk over it, you know? Like. <laughs> say goodbye and put that on yeah yeah for sure well I think well again it's like as I said what stands the test of time and it's got to have a bit of character or it's got to like you know obviously yeah I didn't want to like just pick memories and stuff but like it's stuff that just left an indelible impression on me or you know just stood the test of time and to be honest you know a lot of this is meant to be ephemeral you know it was obviously this word that kept, was going around at this time this track's from like 94 like you know like faceless techno bollocks you know like it's just like it was almost the beauty was like you didn't know it was unless you ask your mate and give them a really bad verbal description um, but like then how do you kind of pick the classics and I guess we all have our own classics and some of these I think you know people would say yeah yeah that's a classic but some of these are just things as I said that like not at this point because I wasn't doing the you know I was getting towards my GCSEs at this point but they all have an influence on my own tunes basically yeah but I mean, you got into rave quite early like I was saying there and you're saying you're into metal when you're 10. I mean, that is, like, how the hell did that happen? I'm not quite, I'm trying to remember, you know, like, I think my mum used to be into some quite milder kind of metal, like, she was into, like, fucking Alice Cooper and maybe a bit of Iron Maiden or something. And I think, like, they used to have, like, the Monsters of Rock thing, like, uh, the Big Bonington show on the radio, and I remember listening to it with her a couple of times, like, when I was really young. And maybe just from there, then I just went out and bought a few albums on tape and stuff like that, I don't know. I really, yeah, I don't know, I guess it was just, like, my passion for music just sort of, I managed to start picking it for myself, you know, like, I don't know quite an early stage but rave was inescapable around my way in the early 90s it was literally like there was it was almost hard to find anyone who just wasn't swept up in it um it was such a big thing so there's music in the house from an early age your parents were into music yeah they're into music on a, on a decent level i'd say on a, on a nice level and yeah so they you know had sort of stuff playing and I, yeah and i definitely always enjoyed you know some of what they were playing so i guess i was kind of in it but yeah that was the sort of time when i found my own little selection and stuff and so like this one as well just that you know again 
some of the stuff I was listening to, I wanted, it was listening music, you know, and I, and I was getting into like sort of electronica and IDM or whatever, you know, sort of stuff, proto breakcore sort of stuff that was like, you could put it on and play the whole album and just be fucking into it from, from start to finish, you know. And obviously Squarepush is just a fucking legend. Probably also some of the, some of the first live sets I saw as well, actually, him. I saw him like around the sort of mid-90s, I would have seen him about five, six times. Just kept turning up for things I was at, you know, it was like fucking great. And it was properly live as well. So that was a kind of probably a big influence on me doing the live set straight away and not just like making tracks and then waiting till they were like really good. And because they never been, never actually got really good. So that was a good thing. Again, there's also a different bit of a sound palette here, I guess, because you've got the bass guitar in there as well, so. You're the second person to put this in the selection as well, so I'm going to have to update the rules to say, you know, Square Pusher, come on my selector. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's like, but it's a good tune. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I always say with the talking tunes thing, I always like when people bring tunes and I'm like, oh yeah, that's something different I haven't heard before, you know. It's on the band list, yeah. Prescribed this shit, basically, yeah. Weirdly, right, so this all, his, his bass guitarist also wind me up because it's really just jazz wank on loads of the tracks. And sometimes live, it would be a bit too jazzy, and I'd be like, but, um, yeah. I just also wanted to have a bit of a like, mix up the timbres and just not have just the same kind of stuff. But the funniest set I saw him do was at a Ninja Tune night, which is all like, you know, heads. It was all just like hip hop, you know, and playing old funk tracks and, you know, all this kind of shit. Like, and uh, and he played a set and he just played the most industrial drum and bass like ever in like, was like 96, 97 maybe. And I just remember all these like Japanese tourists just shaking on the spot. Like, they couldn't really <laughs> work out to dance to it. And it was mental. It was the hardest set I'd ever and play at this really not very hard music event it was weird but great <laughs> loved it so you're living in london so you would have seen like a lot of gigs around there and that's where you would have seen square push and my stripe yeah i used to go to some of the sort of like midweek sort of beat nights and and then um yeah like kind of a few festivals and, and stuff like that i guess so yeah as i said it was just one person who was on a lot of lineups at one point and maybe as you say maybe around this kind of part sort of thing now into another tune, Hellfish Turntable Savage. I haven't heard this one before. Oh, see, again, I blame this. Uh, DJ from uh, Tantrum because yeah, I used to drop this one loads as well. I think again, I was just like, oh shit, now I've got to find there's something from this person, and I was like, oh fuck, fuck, fuck knows if I know after names. And then, uh, and when I was kind of going through a few tracks, I was like, oh yeah, 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 this one. Yeah, this one I like again because it's it's got that hip hop. I was really into the hip hop crossover with like a lot of the hardcore techno and, and kind of Gabba sort of stuff that was around in the sort of second half of the nineties, early noughties, and and this one is just like proper kind of turntableist meets hardcore sort of thing. Ah, oh, yeah, so I, I kind of it sparked two of my interests. You know what I mean?
so a lot of these you had to go and dig out. You, you knew them by ear, but you didn't know what they were called. Uh, bits, like, I had to remind myself of some of them, and then, which then I was like, oh yeah, I do know that one. But then I was also like thinking, oh yeah, I don't want to just get any old one. So I was trying to find stuff that I knew really well. But yeah, some of these, you know, I had on vinyl, some of them I had on digital, and then the rest of them I literally was like, oh fucking, I'm just going to go hunting and try and find that that track. I think most of the rest of them after this sort of point, actually, I would as I said, I would have had a copy of some in some form. I keep expecting some hardcore kicks to come in on this track. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's coming in, it's coming in now. There you go, there you go, on cue. <laughs> no, I mean, pull your teeth out with pliers, hardcore. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, my teeth are in my, in my gum still. I mean, I mean, at the time, this was savage, mate, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, back in, back in the days of dynamic range, you know, when people still worked out how to make a hard track without, like, just, like, totally redlining it the whole way. First dig there, first dig at the modern producers. <laughs> You see, like, some of the real, like, hardcore people, like Satan, I think it's probably the worst for it. Yeah. And this stuff, it's like, it comes upon the meter as plus 10 dB. Like, how the hell are you getting plus 10 dB on a track? Yeah, yeah. Well, depends on which meter you're using. But yeah, no, I think someone actually, I think someone was given the task of mastering one of my tracks for a recent compilation. I think someone gave him a Satan track and he's like, I'm not fucking doing it like that, basically. He's like, it's just like, it's just clipping the whole way through. There's no dynamic range. I'm not doing it. I was like, look, mate, on a sweet spot. I'm really not bothered, you know? It's kind of funny because I, I kind of teach music production stuff, but not so much on the mixing side, which is probably good because I'm not that great at mixing. But um, like, I kind of love hearing that stuff. Like, I really fucking, whether it's just, you know, in the home, in the car, whatever, at a rave. But like, I, I'll, I'll never bring myself to make it. As soon as I start, I'll make out and I'll get like, I'll get that really heavy. But then I'm like, oh, now I'm going to layer another six things on top of it all at the same time. And that's when you fuck it, basically. If you listen to loads of that stuff, it's like cereal. It's like one sound after another, after another, and, another, and then you can fucking smash it. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you start layering it, like, yeah, no, 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 no. You can't do it. It will sound like absolute dog shit. So, so I just, I kind of, I prefer that more layered textured sort of stuff. So I kind of gave up on that chase, really. <laughs> that's my excuse. <laughs> so you're teaching audio engineering? Uh, more like on the sort of production and sort of sound design side of things. So like, kind of, yeah, like basic sort of track production, bit of synthesis and sort of sampling stuff. And then I do live sets and, and VJing as well for my sins. I didn't realise that. That's cool. Yeah. I was quite happy with that because actually that was something that just came out of well, a bit of an opportunity, um, but then also just like having just spent loads of my time doing it, being a bit antisocial and, and just getting on with doing that, you know, and then learnt myself basically. So eventually I'd made in, you know, a bazillion mistakes and then kind of I'd ironed them out and kind of meant I had loads to teach really. But yeah, no, I'm enjoying that. Enjoying that. So do you think on the spot now you can condense those years of knowledge that you've gained into a few punchy sentences of here's what people should do? <laughs> or is it just is it too much to condense into one sentence or two? No, 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 no. I mean, I do. I do quite regularly on the spot now. Like, oh, it's a bit tricky. I think some of the main stuff is like, you've got to basically, the thing I've come to now is that if you if you haven't got a good sound and a good track and good sound design at the beginning, you can throw all the plugins you fucking want. It's, it's never going to sound that good. Basically, so if you get good source material, good sounds, and your track's actually got something to say, 
people will either enjoy it anyway because it's got something to say, or it'll mix itself because you fucking balanced out and got some good sounds in there, you know? Some people convenience they can just have like 20 plugins from, you know, waves on their, on their processing chain and it will get better, but it just won't. <laughs> yeah, no, I fully agree. I mean, I think, you know, I hear a lot of music from amateurs and they can make great tracks, but the sound is awful and the mastering is awful and you're thinking, oh, you know, it's a great track, but it's just you let yourself down with that. And then other tunes, which is shit, but they're really well mastered, and you're kind of thinking, oh, it's pleasant to the ear, but it's musically boring. Yeah, well, I think, as I said, a lot of the stuff then is that, you know, we're coming back to the stuff where you said, oh, it sounds amazing, this kind of like hardcore breakcore stuff that's totally rammed through a limit or whatever. Then it's like, it, you know, it is, I mean, again, it sounds amazing, but then some of that stuff, not particularly them or anything, anyone else in particular, but like, some of it, again, it's just lacking ideas. And it's just identical fucking music cop- copying the next man, do you know what I mean? So, uh, which one would you rather have? Well, I'd rather have some fucking interesting tunes, really. But as I said, love that, sh- love hearing that force of that music. I just not into copying it. So yeah, this one, uh, this old Crystal Distortion track, again, you know, we picked this up from people playing a lot of our, uh, our parties, but I think someone played this to me away from a party, just went, oh, no, I've just got this. You know, when it was around the time it was coming out, so I think it's like 98, 99, unless I'm wrong. And, um, and, you know, they played me this, and I was just like, oh, hang on, oh, this is a bit different, you know, like, and it's got that kind of free party, free sort of, free techno, hard tech sort of sound to it. And it was mixing it up a bit again, you know, it was flipping through different sort of scripts and that. And um, yeah, I think this again was this whole thing of opening me up to that kind of stuff because I so we got involved in all that sort of, you know, free party stuff. So, and that then again sort of turned my music and that's probably one of the bigger influences on my music because that's what I was able to feed it back into, you know, at first, into those kind of parties. So, Crystal Distortion, obviously, absolute legend in that scene. Uh, one of the people there in Spiral Tribe until they split up and went their ways. But uh, yeah, sound guy, I met him a couple of times. Absolute fucking nutter. His music is quite indescribable, isn't it? It is. Is uh, Simon? You need to go back to this stuff though, because um, you know, like uh, uh, this is this is kind of what we want. It has, it has, you know. But like everyone, he gets older, and uh, you know, he's 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 more tame now. <laughs> I'm just I just hope he will listen, and I can rip the piss out of him. No, no. Um, yeah, no. I mean, totally. It's a big influence on me, sort of changing a bit of direction with my own stuff, because it was around this time when I started actually like getting tracks and, and starting to finish them and playing them on on rigs and stuff like that. And then we did a our first headfuck record was like nine around not too far off this but 99 or something so again a big big influence actually i'm surprised you didn't put any baseline in it there's a track coming up in there the square of this track oh yeah i suppose yeah square of yeah 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 maybe something i'll know a bit less i don't know do you know what i mean some of this stuff like whether it's like the hardcore techno stuff hard tech free party techno sort of shit drum and bass to a certain extent and then break call were scenes i was actually like involved with more i guess you know and i've i've dipped my toes in like the techno and kind of breaks and bass even you know but those were things i actually was uh, say feeding into and playing at so i guess why that's maybe took a bit more more of the playlist so i'm thinking you know you talk about your own production uh you know you think what are your two certainly the first one i was aware of anyway was the obese alias which is all baseline stuff 
uh, the Ronin stuff, which is like more this sort of stuff, sort of hardcore sound system music, right? Yeah. Well, the Ronin stuff was the original kind of alias. Like, I think I even had that name before I was even making or putting out tunes anyway. And, um, but it's, it was just, it was just so confused, really. Like, at one point, you know, yeah, I'd be making kind of quite sweet electro and really horrible breakcore and maybe some techno and maybe some hip hop. And I was just trying to put it all out under the same fucking name sometimes or, you know, even posting it online the same name. And at some point, I realized that was just never going to work. The world is not that open-minded, <laughs> um, and I also don't like being confused that much sometimes. Because I say not all of it was really hard. Like some of it was kind of like much more focused or became more focused. So yeah, a beast, a boost came forward to take care of all the kind of still quite hectic, but all the bass music and break stuff basically. Yeah, and uh, of course, a lot of people would say you know this Crystal Distortion, Spiral Tribe, those sound system guys, pioneers. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot of the free technicals and all the rest of it sort of came from the work that they did in the early days, in the early 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So as I said, again, that was that... Uh that kind of well, the legacy and that continuation you know of, of certain things so the free party scene that was again definitely obviously too young to attend within the UK and how that moved to the, to Europe and started a mass like movement there like bigger than it ever was here in, in the free party world kind of thing so again yeah again that was that was really cool to then have our own little part in that you know a while later kind of thing that was cool Now, from one classic to another, DJ producer. Yeah, so again, it was like picking out tracks, but I remember getting this one. I had a little record stall at one point, and I had a load of like the Rebel Scum, Death Chant stuff, and and again, well, quite a bit of a mix because I had people from sort of various different sort of scenes, kind of my records of me. I just remember getting this one. I think at one point it was my like you know morning tune in the squat that I was at a record shop in, and I was just like just cranking this on, and no one else would be up because they're all lazy cunts, and you know I'd be there just rinsing this one sort of full volume as, as my little morning track for a bit. So uh, I could I could not put it on for that, you know. It was just like I just love the fact it's also like it's got a, a vocal, but it's really just that classic. Uh, I forget where the fuck it's from again, but um, just like run for a really horrible kind of like. Uh, ring mod or whatever it is and it's just sounds like sounds horrible but great at the same time and this one again has a real thing in its tail it kind of goes into a big epic kind of like filtered kicks thing sort of about two thirds of the way in it, you know it rewards you if you stick it out <laughs> i didn't with this one i had to cut it down to try and keep keep the whole thing to an hour and 15. it's seven minutes long man <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's the best bit and uh, it's it's quite long but um yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, this vocal, I don't know, I, like yourself, I have no idea where it came from. Maybe someone will tell us, because um, it's overused. There's a point of greatest intensity. It's like, oh, seriously, I haven't heard this bloody vocal again. Come on, lads. Yeah, I mean, but obviously, normally, it's like, just like the, the quite, yeah, getting like, well, well-rounded, like, uh, you know, female vocal in here. It just sounds really, like, demonic, as is great. But this one, I think I liked as well, because at the time, um, I think at least from producer, it was like one of the first tracks at least I remember that was slower and heavier because obviously you just get more, you get more bass and more heaviness, you know, on the sort of slower stuff. And it was just like, just I like this kind of sledgehammer style kick drum and, you know, again, it was something that I would try to get 
going my own sort of track sometimes when I took the tempo down a bit, you know? Yeah, I'd love to get a chat with Luke at some point. I'd say it'd be an interesting one to talk to as well uh, on the Talking Tunes. So, uh, yeah, I literally recently only just hooked up with him and he's fucking remixing a track I put out a couple of years ago and I was like, what the fuck? So, yeah, uh, Luke, if you do end up listening to this, you should get on here and finish my remix. <laughs> Nice one. Yeah, no, I know a couple of people that know him, so I'm like a friend of a friend. All right. Anyway, producer, as you know, probably well into the game since God knows when. I, think, um, I remember listening to a tape from him at Universe in uh, 1992, when he used to breakbeat hardcore stuff, but he was like, fucking yes. And then 93, 94, starts doing all the, um, you know, the, the importing the Dutch stuff. And man, that's how I got into all the Gabber and all the rest of it, from listening to stuff from producer and people like Clarky as well, you know? Yeah, I remember, yeah, people like Clarky and producer, like, like Helter Skelter events and the Technodrome room at Helter Skelter. That was kind of where I was like introduced to that and in the kind of raping, but then I was going to like these kind of more like grimy, kind of punky sort of Gabba parties as well that we were having in London that are really small um, but like really you know kind of full on nasty kind of stuff and then I'd catch some of this well not this but like the earlier sort of stuff but um, yeah again at the sort of hardcore raves where you'd have a bit of jungle and a bit of happy hardcore and a bit of this kind of you know hardcore techno stuff as well and um, yeah that was where I first heard him it was probably when I'd been around sort of 94, 95 really and of course you're talking a bit about punk there I mean we might as well wander into that conversation as well because I think again you know I think it's well well established connection that you know the whole do it yourself ethos and mindset of the people mm. a lot between that and rave right yeah no for sure and I think again it's one of these things where we just kind of got on and did stuff and I, like, we didn't really sort of think too long about it or much about it and then it was kind of almost years later well a few years later we'd then you know play it we'd have punk bands maybe play at some of our events and maybe we'd have like Recknor doing a punk room at a rave that we were doing but it was only kind of years later where you kind of realise oh shit yeah we've been doing all that stuff for years but we just didn't think about it as punk you know and in the day we were like you know all wearing white Reeboks at one point you know <laughs> kind of go to raves and, and we all kind of took our various sort of routes through it and some of us stayed kind of you know, ardent junglists and other people were like really into kind of, kind of, yeah, more techno or gabba sort of stuff. But yeah, so I guess it just got literally just ended up being accidentally DIY through just how we wanted to make our own economy almost and how to like just make our own parties and sell records and 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 put stuff on as cheaply as possible as well and you know kind of just like do it in a non-profit way it just seemed really natural to me and and, and kind of my mates we were quite lots sort of my local mates sort of college mates at the time when we started the sound system i've heard a lot of people say this as well and i kind of the more i hear it i'm more i think it's going to happen because the way and i don't really want to get into politics right but the more the way you see politics at the moment going, it seems to be a lot of built up pressure from people. It's just not good enough. And then with the fact with electronic music, you can literally be one person on your own in your bedroom making it. You don't need someone on guitar, someone on bass, someone on drums. Yeah. There's bound to be some sort of punk rave crossover thing at some point. It's got to happen, man. Yeah, but I think, I just think because, you know, what I didn't sort of say grew up listening to that kind of music and wasn't totally immersed in that there was obviously as you say there was still that element going on through raves in general but definitely obviously in the free party kind of scene and stuff like that so you know and we you know, it became a continuation of punk really and certain things even more than others you know some some people often refer to some of the very sort of faceless techno which i'm not always a, a great fan of but as like you know really kind of punk rave music because it's so kind of throwaway and faceless kind of thing but um yeah then when you realize it's yeah more about kind of diy culture and and 
kind of offering alternatives and, and just fucking cracking on with it, then you realise, oh shit, maybe yeah, maybe we were doing it all along. <laughs> But not, not, but not, but like not badge wearing, you know, like member, membership card carrying kind of thing. I was thinking more like electronic music, but rather than vocals of it's the point of greatest intensity, but like you know, fuck mm. Boris Johnson type stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, I've run, I've run out of beer now. So that was going to lead me towards talking about children. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. I thought you, I thought this was coming, and then I thought we were going to swim it. Yeah, that's that's where I'm leading you to. I've pushed you towards it twice. Now I'm just going to be blunt and say, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this tune, right? Which is absolutely slamming, right? A load of bass, load of good breaks. This is John B. Broken Language, right? Tim XR Remix. You take your pick. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> no, no, we'll get, we'll get, to, we'll get to, we'll do it. We can do it. I'll just quickly talk about this one now because this is. I wanted to get something in there by Tim XR as well. Just, I mean, what this album that just came on the Paragonist album was, was fucking great, but um. And it was kind of like, oh, drum and bass doesn't have to be it's super conventional and stuff like that. But also, like, his live sets are just kind of amazing and, and, and end up, yeah, being, a really, again, kind of a nice influence on that kind of stuff. But um, And this one also has a little nice little switch up sort of here. But, but now the Kildren stuff, yes, I mean, that, that, I mean, that was a kind of perfect storm of um, my kind of rave background. And again, having a bit of a, a cheeky kind of like slightly comedic edge to stuff that I was doing. And well, I've always been kind of like, at least politically motivated but I usually only just did it through samples you know I would just find like the most politically kind of I don't know app sort of sample in a film which is like not really much and then and then that was a nice opportunity to like start writing songs basically and it, all of our songs are, are political but that was something to me getting together with, with my partner and and she was doing punk stuff being in punk bands and folk punk sort of shit and it was just a marriage of those two really and sort of sticking our cheekiness in there and getting into a lot of trouble along the way what sort of trouble you got into? <laughs> uh, we were we were like on the Tenacot News and, and uh, on every newspaper and TV and radio station for a few days because someone got a hold of the fact that one of our songs was, uh, however you want to interpret it, tongue in cheek or not, called "Kill Tory Scum Before They Kill You," and um, and uh, apparently. Apparently, you're not really supposed to sort of like publish sentiments like that. Yeah, white privilege in full effect, mate. That's what we. It was an exercise in what that. Um, we got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, um, and we got banned from playing at Glastonbury, and we got we got a cool clip of Boris Johnson's sister trying to defend us because everyone else was against us on a panel show. They had to have one person who was like, you know, balancing it out. It's just, oh man, I've got. To go onto our webpage and check out. The, they've still got links to all the clips and articles and stuff it was a mad week mad week but then wasn't dominic cummins giving testimony the other day saying about how they knew fully well they were going to be killing tens of thousands of people with their shitty advice that's what i mean yeah the last comment on the video was like if you're angry and say like oh blah, 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 you know what about if there was a song about you know kill labor whatever yeah. then like you know seriously they're actually killing people so if you're really going to get wound up about a song then like maybe you should get wound up by the fact they've like killed actually killed people yeah yeah actually like, tens of thousands of people through benefit cuts and and just austerity policies so basically get fucked. <laughs> The song is the least of some people's worries, you know what I mean? It really is. They're living this shit day by day. Anyway, moving on from politics. <laughs> um, That's why I don't want to get into it, because it's like, I always think, because the thing with Rave is Rave is always like a special place you can escape to 
uh, and just enjoy it for what it is, you know? And it's like a fantasy land away from the real world. That's what I always love about rave. But then, you know, again, I, I, for me, like rave was always mixed into politics, like whether it's the sound system on a demo or like, you know, if we used to take our rig on the cannabis legalization marches. And I remember like the June 18th kind of like city uh, party come riot, which had like Desert Storm turn up on a sound system, you know. It was, to me, it was entwined, you know. And I didn't like the idea that it should be separated, to be honest. The whole, like, don't, don't ever bring up politics or, ch or religion. I'm like, no, those are the two best subjects. No, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> I do get what you mean. I do get what you mean. Speaking of religion, though, um... <laughs> yeah, okay, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go, no, no, no. Now, I used to be so passionate about that when I was a teenager. That I been, I've had to go to school with trouble when I was five for like, just refuting the existence of God. And they were like, oh my God, what is this five-year-old? Why is he like so like vocal about this? But anyway. Yeah, I went to a primary school run by nuns. I tell you, the amount of times I got into trouble was unreal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, fair enough. I have, I have nothing but the greatest of, of utmost respect for all organised religions across the world. There's just like, it just solves problems rather than generates them. And I think that's a really cool facet of organised religion. We're going to have to turn it down because this podcast now is going out on Spotify now as well, by the way. And Acast, if anyone listens there. And I think it's on iTunes, but I don't have iTunes, so I can't check it. But apparently it's out on iTunes as well. Oh, okay. okay. In a nightmare. Anyway, this this track as well, like I mean, again, it's just like on the outset, it's just like a hard sort of DB track, but you know, again, at the time, it was just oh, pitch perfect in all its ways. Yeah, we're not even talking about it, are we? Dylan and Lime Wax. Uh, cleansed by a nightmare, yeah? Yeah, like, actually this one as well, uh, I mean, not only do I just like, this is probably my favourite kind of like, yeah, sort of hard D&B track, but, um, but Dylan as well was someone who used to play at one point, I think it was called FM uh, radio station in the, back in the sort of 90s and, and was like, I mean, they used to always call him like the, sick, the original sick bastard or something. And he used to just play these hard fucking tracks. I was like, where, where does this even come from? I, like, I wasn't hearing anyone else play them. And so it was like a real introduction to just like the harder side of drum and bass. And uh, yeah, and he's been doing that as far as I'm concerned. He's been doing it much longer than, than other people. And so fair play to him for, for pushing that sound at a time when, yeah, people weren't often going there. You know, within the, the normal kind of rave sort of sphere, I guess. So Dylan and Limewax, this one, it's like, yeah, it's a bit, it's it's hard to sort of try to understand what they're doing with it, like, you know, because it's, is it jungle? Is it drum and bass? Is it like hardcore, terrorcore? It's a bit of everything, isn't it? Well, it's kind of like, again, I feel like it's like a really early uh, version of kind of, you know, what kind of became more sort of consolidated as like crossbreed stuff, you know? And it's like, I can't, I'm trying to remember when this track's from, but it's like, 2008, 2010, something like that. It's quite, it's getting on a bit, like in a way. Um, but yeah, you know, it still sounds to me like fucking hard as fuck, basically, even by the same modern kind of like, yeah, sort of standards that we were chatting about earlier. I see what you're saying. So this is like proto crossbreed. Because yeah, it's got all the elements of crossbreed, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't really go into that. It goes into a little bit of a kind of a 4-4 kind of groove at points, but not properly, do you know what I mean? But it has everything else about it, yeah, so... 
What year was this? Do you know? As I said, like, I think it was 2008, 2010, between that sort of time. Now, quick drop onto Discord's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The way the sky burned. Lime wax's stuff was always quite, you know, really recognisable, but um, which sometimes obviously is not a great thing because it means that you fucking you kind of been there and done that and, and have heard it. But this one was, as I said, it's just nice because yeah, oh, 2007, yeah. So there you go. It's got a bit of time on it now. Fucking hell, you know, time flies. Next thing you know, you're like, oh yeah, this one's only a couple of years old. Oh, you mean look it up and you're like, oh, nine years old. <laughs> I'm doing that all the fucking time now. But 2007, man, that's 14 years ago. That's what I mean. Like, pretty fucking tasty for that sort of era. Anyway, one of my faves. The other side to it as well was like, the other side to it is kind of like a, a really like early kind of half step, nightmarish half step track. But yeah, really good little release that came out. some weird break call there for a minute <laughs> oh yeah they just got this like ridiculous sample on there uh, at the end but yeah luckily it didn't it steered clear of like total break call cheese i love better break call cheese man it's don't go knocking it. <laughs> I do, I do, I do, and I don't. I mean, like as I said, to be honest, one of the things, and I mean, you notice it's not. There's a bit of like cheek, and there's a bit of like humour on some of these tracks, but ultimately it wasn't my kind of main thing. And I get the impression you're kind of more into that than probably I am. But like things like Bangface, basically sort of depoliticising breakcore was a bit of a sad time for me when I was at early sort of breakcore stuff in the scene that I was seeing abroad as well was like quite politicised and and pretty kind of like switched on and to kind of see that kind of dis sort of dissipate in many ways and become a bit of a sort of parody. It didn't warm my cockles, put it that way. Am I not part of your life anymore? Am I not welcome anymore?
but yeah, I picked this one again because, like, yeah, sort of getting into sort of, sort of sound of Venetian snare stuff through. Well, I think yeah, some. So I think that the first stuff of his I had like on Hyman Records, some of the stuff he did on there. But this album again was like pretty epic. I, I can not even try and pronounce it. The one with a big like Hungarian name on it. And uh, yeah, but this track is just you know epic, really nice use of kind of classical strains, and then uh, a weird sample about a pigeon. And just immense programming. And again, another wicked sting in the tail. I don't know if you've left it in, but towards the end, it just goes absolutely fucking ape shit. And it's just like, to a, in a beautiful way. Um, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but put it this way, right? I've got 16 tracks. I want to get it to be an hour and 15. You're going to tell me you can't, haven't you? <laughs> Who am I going to cut first? I'm sorry, but it's going to be snares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's all good. I understand the reason. I understand the reason. I'm not, I'm not having a go. Fair play. Anyway, this one is like Masodic Galam or something like that. And um, I thought I'd give it a go. I think, I don't know, it was meant to be this Hungarian album, so I don't even know if that's Hungarian, and my Hungarian mate might crucify me for that pronunciation. Check it out, yeah. Um, the whole info. The Snez is good. I definitely give it. Snez is good, right? Without doubt, he's a class producer. But I think people have him on such a god-level pedestal. No, yeah, no, it's... It's like, it just seems crazy to me. It's, no, 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 it, that is kind of painful. I remember going to one of the last gigs, well, I saw him at in, in London, and... People were like just ignoring the other people that were, that played, and then we're mental for him. And then as soon as he finished, they went home. And there was some great other music on that night. You know, like Box Cut was playing as well, and some other people. And they just literally like he's done right, I'm off. And I remember being there, flying for a breakcore party we were doing, going like breakcore party next week, free breakcore party. Like you know, inside the venue, trying to avoid the bouncers like flying this party. And people were literally like, <laughs> fuck off, out of my face, kind of thing. And I was like, whoa, like you're just literally into snares and just didn't give a fuck about breakcore at all and it was just like that was the point where i totally saw this in a really kind of i don't know i found it a bit unpleasant you know what i mean it was just like, like the pedestal was was out yeah they, they, they buffed the pedestal for him and that was it i was at a bang face a few years back and uh yeah venetian snares was there he was sitting outside on the park bench talking to james and this girl comes up to me she must have recognized me for whatever reason and she goes oh well venetian snares i'm like yeah he's just sitting there like you know just they just pulls up like you know a sleeve and goes look i've got a tattoo of his logo yeah yeah do you think i should go up and talk to him and i'm like yeah it's just a person just sat right there just she felt she couldn't go up to somebody and go look i've got a tattoo of your logo on my arm if you've got a logo i mean and that's that's weird yeah 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 it's a sort of it's a flower thing with a skull Oh, yeah, shit, so it is. Uh, mate, yeah, just go fucking talk to him. If you've gone to that extent, man, you know, fucking I think you've earned the right. <laughs> you've scarred yourself permanently with his logo and his emblem, so go and talk to the cunt. As an artist, if you ever get to that level where you're unimpressed by people tattooing themselves with your logo, I think, you know. Then you're also a dick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even get my, you know, my name tattooed on myself. But, yeah. <laughs> I bet I'd, my jaw would hit the floor so hard if someone had even vaguely done that. But then I'm not Venetian Zed, I haven't done anything to justify it. <laughs> It'd be more weird. I'd just be like, have you even heard my music? <laughs> Can you imagine if you was at a gig and someone comes up and shows you a tattoo and says, I love Ronin on it? How would your reaction be? <laughs> uh, again, as I said, uh, I don't know. I'd, have to, I'd probably piss myself with laughter, like, to be honest. Like, <laughs> and then literally think they were a bit funny in the head and offer them some care. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. My, my girlfriend's got one where someone had, had travelled across borders in Europe to bring her a t-shirt specially printed with a self-drawn picture of her with a guitar and a cat on it <laughs> for a gig. And I was like, that's really sweet and fucking creepy. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> she didn't know what to do about it either. So you see there, I left that hard bit of snares in there. It was like, dun, dun, dun. But then he goes off for it even more. Just when you're like, oh, that's pretty good. I mean, a lot of love for LFO, right? Yeah, so I think in these next few tracks, you'll see that, as I said, maybe, um, well, like late, later in the kind of, uh, in the sort of second half of the noughties, was doing kind of uh, different parties. The stuff with Headfuck had kind of like uh, wound up a bit, and I was doing stuff under with some friends, um, my partner and someone called No Fix the Bode, and we were just playing kind of like break call in the main room and kind of breaks and bass in the other room. And, and again, I think this was, I guess, the time where I started to kind of forge the sound for like a beast, even though I didn't use that name for ages and um so i guess the next few tracks are like when yeah i don't know you know bass music had its real explosion and there was loads of interesting stuff going on and and kind of dubstep was around and grime was, was still kind of kicking it and but lfo i mean just obviously they had like tracks back in the day and this is a much later one but for me it's like i saw i saw them play live one time as well and just a few artists just know had literally just like working the harmonics to get you the fucking hairs on your neck standing up you know and sometimes kind of simple tunes but just that have that have something about them you know they know how to get a good synth sound going basically and this one is just again immaculate in some ways 2003 this was actually fucking up and impressed where you didn't go for lfo lfo as well absolute classic tune but good to avoid like you know good to pull up someone else to lfo like you know yeah but again you know i knew that track and i knew a bit of lfo but it was just you know, and this track was just maybe came at the right time when I was listening to it to just kind of like just leave this really strong impression on me, you know. But it's like people like sort of LFO and, and, and Mode Selector do this sort of thing really well again where they just have like just quite sometimes a quite a simple idea but just done really well. They just kind of know how to, know how to kind of just keep it memorable. You know? It's that thing of having character again, you know. I've heard this genre of music called bleep and bass. I'm sure you're familiar with that term, right? Mm, yeah. And I love it as a term. It's like, because it is exactly what it is. It's bass and bleeps. What more could you ask for? <laughs> Does what it says on the tin. Yeah, and obviously fo like follow bits of that, and obviously yeah, that had more notable things for that, I suppose. Yeah. But as I say, you know, this was sort of like again, I was into kind of a lot, quite a bit of electro sort of stuff, and um, and some of the breaks sort of thing. But I didn't always keep up with the break scenes. There seems to be quite a lot of it. And it was a bit like, oh, I don't want to get into that. It's a whole other thing to get into. But um, as I say, this one stood out for me. That's yeah, funky, getting funky now, isn't it? Oh yeah, it goes off on one. Use this was the start of that Enter the Void the film is like on the trailer or something i remember it cropped up so this has got a bit of bit of cashies from the the sink on that one
compared to the first half of the track, which is almost like, you know, Future Sound of London sort of feel to it, now we're into this, which is like, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, and back to the lovely bass again, yeah. It, go, it goes off on one, yeah. And again, beautiful, just like beautiful into that, like, mentalism, yeah. No, great, again, it's like, it's got, you know, it's got a sort of thing I like about this is that, I think more and more of my music started to have kind of more of a central theme to it. And I think I just didn't know, oh, I didn't know how to fucking write music. I still, I still question my abilities. But like, you know, I think I started to kind of go, look, I'm just going to put nine ideas. I'll just put three ideas in a track. And I think there's stuff like this where there is a central theme, but I mean, look at all these, yeah, as you say, it's like, it's quite laid back at the start and, and then it goes really mental. And then it goes all kind of blissed out at the end, just like, you know, and it was sort of shit like that, I guess, sort of showed how you could kind of work around a single idea, but still make it have a narrative, you know, and have different phases that it goes through. Yeah, absolutely. I like this reward system, you know what I mean? You're like, if you stick it out <laughs> and you get it through, then you get the good shit, you know? And if you just mix out or you tune out too early, you miss the good stuff. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> you don't DJ then? Or you don't consider yourself a DJ? I don't consider myself a DJ. No, I've, I've done my time. At one point, I was kind of doing quite a bit of it, but just like on Tractor and um, like fucking Ableton and stuff. And then I used to do an odd spot of vinyl DJ. And again, when I kind of was sort of forced into it. Um, so no, not really. And I, I literally haven't done it for ages. Yeah. Um, definitely wouldn't consider myself that. Doesn't fight your boat. You're not really like, oh, yeah, I need to be up there on the stage banging at these tunes, no? Well, I have a weird relationship with the whole idea of it, really, because, you know, like, when I was when I was growing up, I said, look, um, you know, everyone at school was into, like, well, m most of the people were into kind of rave music, you know. There was the people who then wanted to be a DJ, and they're like, it's got to get 1210s, and some mates had 1210s and a little shitty, like, made-to-fade two-channel mixer or something, and, you know, and I literally looked at it. I remember looking at my mate's, like, turntable set up, it was, and he was a fucking great DJ at the age of whatever, like 14, 15, and uh, looking at it and just looking at this little free band EQ and, uh, you know, two channels and going, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? It's, it's like, it's not enough stuff. You know, it wasn't more like, what could I do? I knew I was seeing what hip-hop DJs and some, like, the better rave DJs could do with it, for sure. But, like, it just wasn't enough. And I instantly was like, I want to make the tracks. That was my first thought. If I can make the tracks, I'll have all that control. And then I was like, oh, well, now I've made some tracks, like, you know, like a handful. I was like, oh, maybe I could play them out live, you know, and actually try to work out to kind of remix them live. So, and I just started doing that straight away. So, no, it just wasn't really enough. And then I kind of got into it, as I said. I've always had a bit of a poor view on, on DJs, <laughs> as well as having a real profound love for what they do. I don't know, do you know, it's, it's annoying, especially as someone who's always playing, doing a live set instead. And like, you might get a great response, I'm not like massively redlining it. And then, you know, you finish and the DJ comes on, totally cranks it all the gains, playing really heavily mastered tracks compared to your like sort of semi-mastered live set. And, and everyone's like, yeah, I know this one. And you're like, well, what about the new stuff? You know, what about the new music? So it was kind of, I guess, a bit disheartening seeing how much DJs get lauded <laughs> as well. And I've also seen how lazy DJs can be. And then I'm like, yeah, fucking worthless. Hmm. Not, they're not entirely worthless to all my DJ friends out there. Uh, keep 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 going. Life has something, uh, and you have something to offer. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and we can buy your music off Bandcamp, right? If you want to play it as DJs, we can go and buy it off Bandcamp and play it on you. They don't like my music, to be fair, but so that's fine. I've, I've accepted that. <laughs> I don't know who I'll make it for, really. I think it's just catharsis, really. <laughs> It's a bit of bass this now, isn't it? Lovely. 
I picked this one because, again, you've got this bit which is a bit more standard. I mean, at the time it was still sounding fresh, and now it sounds maybe a bit sort of tired. But it's the other, it's the other bit that was just like really atmospheric. And then it's like when the kind of drop comes in, it's like really just noisy and a bit weird. Like the sound design on this, so this is like 2005, and the sound design of like this kind of bit here, it's just like, eh? <laughs> what the fuck is that? You know, it's like it just really turned my head. So yeah, I guess like from this, it was just picking up on, on kind of some of that more I don't know I've been to do bass music as well in a more of an industrial kind of vein I was like as I said to you I wanted to do something with maybe chuck a King Cannibal track on there as well because like around the sort of same sort of era-ish when he was just like showing all this kind of stuff could be really hard you know and really dark still um, which you wouldn't always get within that sort of realm This tune is by Vexed it's called Angels what year was this season? 2005 the whole album this from is like just like a big game changer for, for me or at least at the time you know in terms of sound and production quality and ideas i can listen to heavy modulated bass all day i tell you oh yeah oh in which case you'll love this track then yeah <laughs> just that you know wobble on it i love it man love it <laughs> it's it's hard to get tired of it but you know as i said like this part of the track is, is not the sort of bit I picked it for, I guess. Right. But I guess it also puts a, a, a nice timestamp on it in a way, you know? So shows you where we got up to. I mean, of the many tunes I can think of that I think has been landmark tunes, I think bigger commercial success as it was, you know, Flat Eric, I think was just like... <laughs> I was going to say, this has got a real reminiscence, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, real heaviest bass ever. I'm trying to think when that was, though. that was 97 or something, that was. No, that was like, yeah, that was fucking way before this, but it actually sounds really similar. Now. I was just thinking that a second ago, like, oh, it sounds a bit like Flat Eric. Which is all right. Yeah. I mean, but as I said, like, yeah, this this sort of stuff was just a bit more epic than some of the stuff that's going on and just like really good sound design across it. Yeah. But also quite hard, you know what I mean? So it was me trying to, sometimes I had to kind of like find this thread that kind of weaves through these tracks, you know, like in different genres and be really happy when you'd come across an artist or, you know, well, usually maybe one, you know, an artist or an actor or even a label that were kind of just like, oh shit, it's got that thread, you, you know, and, and so you can kind of weave it across the years. I have to admit, I did notice after when I made the, the choice, I was like, <laughs> I'd, I'd literally stopped about 10 years ago, not for anything on purpose. And maybe that says something, or maybe it says that I just make more music than I listen to now, which is kind of true sometimes. But yeah, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> it's going to put me in the old cunt club, basically. I kind of think it's difficult because the music scene and the way people access music has changed so much. Mm, yeah. It used to be so simple. You'd go into the record store, you'd know labels that you wanted to look at, and if it was on a certain label, you'd pick it up and you'd buy it on site, and the certain labels hit and miss, but you'd give them a spin, and it's quite straightforward. Whereas nowadays, music is like confetti in the air, and you got to put your hand out and just grab it, and it's like, oh yeah, that's good, throw it away grab the next lot and you could just barter for stuff tilling a field or you know sort of buy music for groats or grain and stuff like that. i remember those days halcyon days halcyon days um, yeah. no i mean i know yeah i know i know what you mean but i mean it's just i mean it was already sort of fragmented and then it kind of went a bit mental and then because everyone suddenly it's great obviously that everyone can self-publish but it just means it's just kind of almost impossible to keep up in a way because like everyone I know has a digital label now. I mean, who doesn't have their own digital net label these days, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to stay quiet on that one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> did it have to be uh, are we talking like actually successful digital downloads <laughs> no i mean yeah it's um yeah it's different you know again in a way it's become it's, it's it's gone back to that ephemerality of like a white label and stuff like that but without, without actually shifting units <laughs> you know it's like yeah it was making tracks it's like an explosion of stuff but actually there's not the audience for it it's not like 1991 you know what i mean it's just but there you go but of course, Tough Shit is obviously the best label going, though. I mean, obviously, that, we're not including that in that, right? Because you've got your track that's going to come out on Tough Shit uh, on the Break for Insomniacs, right? That's the one, yeah, yeah. That track, Wampus, coming out on there. And um, no, I mean, amazing label, the, the amazing track. <laughs> nah, um, no, no, we're not including that in that. No, of course, that's a worthwhile video label. The only reason I started that, honestly, the only reason I started that was because people kept sending me stuff to put on the show. And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. People need to hear it. Yeah. And I'm like, where are you putting it? And they're like, oh, well, I haven't got any release. Maybe someone will pick it up. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe someone will pick it up. And I got to the point where I'm like, hang on, why don't I pick it up and put it out on the channel? Oh, that's, yeah. oh, that's a good reason, though. But that's the beauty of the digital stuff, though. You know what I mean? It's like, you can actually get it out there. I mean, I say the difficulty is actually just getting someone to actually fucking listen to it first off and then part money with it because obviously they could be just like five listens on Bandcamp might be all they need, you know? Or they go on SoundCloud and, you know, the top end sounds like dog shit, but like, oh, Millie, you know, they still hear the track and that might be enough for them. So it's tricky, yeah, that bit. But you said we had no bass line. You said we had no bass line and then, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Don Daddy. I say this one again, it's just like, it's just, I love the fact that it just sort of builds up a bit and then Rick just drops his aiming in the middle of it. It's just kind of like switched up into much more of a rave kind of track. I think this is one of those ones where it just had a bit of a sort of, sort of like kitchen rave moment. I think we're all just very much uh, enjoying life. And um, just like someone was just like putting this on repeat once. I remember that on a sort of Sunday late morning kind of thing, maybe made memorable, but you know, the Gophos and associated family, uh, you know, it was kind of like bringing a rave back in, in many ways, you know, and just like, that was cool. And as I said, this was a, tr a track at the time just really stood out for, again, weaving that thread, you know. Um, Sometimes it seems to be now when I look back at these uh, the list it just seems to be the inclusion of a name and break. But um yeah, there's a bit more to it than that of course and the energy's there man in big in big fashion. got to be the thing I love about it is the big energy lots of crazy ideas going on don't really care about the artistic merit of it perhaps but it's more just having a fucking great time you know and that having a great time just comes over and all of Titch's stuff and all that off me stuff yeah hugely yeah yeah no no for sure no, for sure, and it was cool to be able to, I had an Abyss release on Off Me Not last year, so that was that was a, a nice thing to then, yeah, you know, catch up with bits of this, not, like I said, too many things to keep my fit toes in, but caught up with loads of this stuff over the years, and then to get have something out on there was cool. 
it's just it's got that energy i mean as i said i guess this is where like you know i'm like yeah the care and abandon i'm into in this if i have my own take on it it's like people it's like techno people go like, oh do you like techno or i go yeah yeah i make techno and they go oh do you like this techno or this techno i'm like no fucking no that's terrible that's oh that's horrible stuff it's such a fine line for me with quite a lot of music but over the years but like there's certain things where there's a fine line between like oh Shit, yeah, oh, I'm loving that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take unworthy or crass, nauseous, whatever fucking bollocks I've ever heard, and it's such a fine line. Um, and it could even be on the same release. I'm feeling that, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird one. So I had to pick something that was a bit <laughs> a past 2010, uh, even though they're obviously not like an act from like a new act or whatever. So yeah, I had to get a noisier track in there really. And I picked this one just so that it wasn't just convincing people that I'm old enough to have a podcast. Noisier, get deaded. Well, again, this kind of, this, like, I like this track because it's, it flips a few times, but, and it's just, again, heavy. It's got a bit of almost like a hip hop feel to it. It's got that kind of like, the sort of some of the sort of snares and vibes that we were getting from the the Dylan Lime Wax track, and just some fucking you know like immense sound design on bits of it and and mixing you know you can't really fault them for that. But you know again some of their tracks are like full on fucking mental and 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 some that's kind of something that gets a bit stayed and a bit like it's just lacking character. But some stuff like this is just it's got again it's got the energy. I always get really paranoid because what happens is people keep listening back to talking tunes that I'm bringing onto the show. And they go, oh yeah, I listen to three or four of them, and I know you like this, and I know you don't like that. Yeah. And I keep saying no, it's not about what I like; it's about what you like. You play what you like, you know. And people go, oh, I know you hate drum and bass. It's like, oh. <laughs> but like, there's nothing going on here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as we were talking earlier about the. The development of kind of drum and bass and then you know moving into jungle and, and and sort of various things and so yeah you know it's a big part of our sound system i kind of brought a lot of that into my sound but i never tried to kind of again get into the kind of copycat realms of, of what the kind of dedicated producers do but i've always just admired like it's always had the best production values of, of dance music in my eyes like and it's just too much obsessively too much so like when it comes down to it but fucking how you can get sort of these simple elements to sound and how fucking fat and, and kind of rich you can get it and it's yeah so i guess i appreciate it for that but again this one is like it's pretty fucking hard in its own in its own way but it's still got a nice hip-hop element to it as well like it like it yeah i'm getting that yeah it's nice yeah, it's good that's yeah, good oh it's nice saying it's good so yeah it's doing that yeah <laughs> Some of it's good, some of it's like... You're just saying that for future fucking people you have on the show, innit? So they don't, like, giving you the shit. You're like, oh no, I actually like this track, enjoy it. Yeah. I, I just like, I just listen back, I, like, I listen back to a few of the, my own, you know, talking tunes. It's like the amount of times I'm slating people's tunes, I'm like, jeez, I'm a bit of a cut sometimes to people. <laughs> and you're like, shit, and they're all drum and bass. Oh man, I need to shut up. Yeah. That's all any drum and bass producers basically always just gonna block you now on this. So you're like, please come on my show. No, I mean, there's loads of their stuff like as i said that i think there's you know something for everyone that's why i want to get the producer on this because i'm sure producer 100 percent all his tunes gonna be awesome and i wouldn't slate anything that he said <laughs> no no he definitely ain't gonna have a fucking top selection you know that but um yeah so i mean i guess like this one definitely out of quite a few of these is not 
yeah, necessarily, it's got character, don't get me wrong, it's, for me it's memorable, but, you know, I guess it's also just to represent this thing that's been there the whole time, which is my love of this kind of like high-end music, so that I can then take influence and degrade it into lo-fi shite, which is uh, what I do best. If you challenge people on what they like and what they don't like and say, oh, you know, this isn't for me, then it makes you think about why you like it yourself. And then when you realize why you like music yourself, this is why I've always been doing this radio show. It's always like, why do I like certain music? And why do I not like certain music? And then when I know what it is that I like, then I can go and find more of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or appreciate it more. You know? No, 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 yeah. It might, yeah, it focuses your interest, I guess. Like if, if Van Gogh came along with his paintings and he said, oh, everyone you've done, mate, it's fantastic. No question, all 100%. If you never challenge him, he'd never make... He wouldn't get around to those classics, yeah, yeah. He'd been there just doing portraits of dogs in the park. <laughs> exactly, and cat videos. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this one was like, shit, I got to encode these guys, because I, I sort of almost fucked up then. Yeah, it's really hard to really do this sort of stuff, because again, I'm not like, you know, I've fallen out of the DJ mentality a bit anyway. Although, I've got this, I've, we did do a, re, a Kildren mix, like, last year, the year before, and we had a few of their tracks on. So this is Monster Zoku Onsom, with like an Australian kind of sort of surf, rave, rockabilly outfit almost, like this, got loads of uh, kind of like mixed up elements. And um, yeah, they, they were like a really big inspiration for, for Gildren happening. Actually, we were watching them play at Boomtown and, and I think my partner said to me, this is in my typical like DIY approach. She's like, I'd love to be in a band like this. And I was like, all right, sorted, let's do it. <laughs> I was just like, it was literally that. And then by the end of the weekend, I think she'd come up with the name Kildren as well. And or we'd, or it was like a slip of the tongue. We were like, oh, that's brilliant. And so like we just planned this band just after seeing this one other band. And it wasn't, we don't that similar because ours are all like very political and, and, and more punky than this. But like, yeah, I just love again the production. It's really good and rounded and fat, but it's just yeah, really full of like life and humour and it's cheeky and you know again nicely nicely ravey when it gets down to it. Suicide sine wave. This one is it? Because rave is typically you know one person making music on their own, but when it's actually three or four people, like you say with Monster Zuku Ensemble, mm. Henge, people like that, you know people that come together it's actually yeah it can actually be a band you know yeah yeah it's a different thing yeah but it's like so there's like the, there's like a main producer behind this stuff uh, nam shabavenki and uh and you know and like yeah so their stuff again sort of has elements of this but then this all brings together yeah like sort of vocalists and, and other parts of it and as say on stage it's just completely different yeah because he sort of takes a step back and everyone else is at the front so i think it was just sort of seeing them live actually that like kind of consolidate that as a kind of like oh yeah this could be something we could do kind of thing and then say put our own sort of spin on it and made it a lot more kind of politicized really This is easily the best tune of the whole selection, in my opinion. I fucking love this. <laughs> I just love sticking this on and just watching people try to dance to it. And it's just a great one, especially at the end of the night when everyone's pretty much dead already. And then you've got to put this on just to squeeze that last drop out of it. And we need to talk all the way over it because this tune will definitely get me kicked off Spotify. <laughs> oh, in which case we'll keep talking then, yeah. 
so this is like so this one obviously as I said this was like the bonus track you know but it's it, it, it kind of came well, I mean like chronologically now I'm looking at the list it's probably came more like in the sort of third or fourth because it, it's fairly chronological what I said I'm not entirely I tried to do it in a kind of sonic order but like this would be earlier on as I said going to like um, rather than going to like say the more hardcore techno sort of stuff this is like going to the the Gabba parties and stuff in, in, in Brixton and stuff in, in London and and just like the really filthy kind of stuff and some of the sort of pre-parties and, and stuff like where they would play this sort of stuff occasionally. Yeah, just lo-fi, fucking punk as fuck, nasty kind of stuff, you know, you just gotta love it. And again, this one is like, it's when you feel like you put this on and if it's the wrong crowd, obviously they're like, what have you done? And then, and then halfway through it's like, ah, no, 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 that was just a warm up, mate. That was right. I love that sort of shit. And again, you know, I was talking about how some stuff I like, some stuff I don't like, and I really love this. And I'm sort of drawing it back as well to Square Gothos in the fact that I think what I really like is stuff that conveys an emotion, you know? And the, the emotion of anger in this, or, you know, aggression, it really, you know, it really is an aggressive track, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, as I said, it's, it's just like, it's completely balls to the wind kind of thing. And, and I think, yeah, you know, some of the spurts, you know, I'm just, I'm generally, like a lot of people I know would deny this, I'm generally quite a positive sort of person and, um, but especially in my 20s, I was really fucking angry and just a lot of, some of the stuff I did was purely motivated by anger, not not hate or anything, but like just anger of the world and, and shit like that and, you know, this was just like a perfect embodiment of that emotion, as you say, um, it would just, it would tick the boxes for that. Like I started off making stuff on a tracker and this was like just, you know, like, yeah, Amiga tracker at its best, tracking sort of music, yeah, love it. Fuck off! Because I'm fucking angry! Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Nick. I can't believe that time has just flown by, man. It has, it has. No, no, thanks for having me on. Um, it's good It's good to dig through all these memories, I guess. Um, so, yeah, enjoyed that. Happy days. All right, well, thanks for taking the time, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cool, yeah, take care. See you later. All right, thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye now.